beautiful lady is Miss Heidi Barnett. And I have known her since sixth grade, I believe, is when we started. She was my D group leader from sixth grade until we graduated senior year. And even today, she's still discipling me, I would say. This is Ashley Corbetta. And um, like she said, we have been uh, connected since she was in sixth grade. And uh, to this day, I still introduce Ashley as one of my girls. I'm a millennial. And I'm a Gen Xer, so they say. (laughs) What's a spiritual milestone from your own life that you often reflect on? When I was pregnant with our youngest son, um, there was a young youth pastor here at church by the name of Phil Heller Mm. that um, was very persistent in trying to get my husband and I um, to come al- join his team uh, with the high school ministry. And uh, we said yes, and um, and we served about 20 years. So I'd say that was probably the biggest influence, impact, milestone, whatever you want to call it, uh, that had on my life and my family's life. What's a spiritual milestone in your life that you look forward to? I feel so lucky and just so blessed for how... Like some of the girls from our group that we had that, you know, we're still close with and just realizing that most of our kids are going to be in the same class and like get to grow up together just how we did. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how cool has it come full circle? And I'm so excited to see if we can give them the same, if not better, journey that we had and we were blessed with. So I think that's what I'm like most excited for and terrified for at the same same time. What's a spiritual milestone in my life that you've enjoyed being a part of? Hmm. I think it's just been being on the front lines watching you grow up to be this amazing, amazing woman, caring, loving, caring woman. But now to see you, I mean, I know that you with your bakery, that is your mission field. And you want your bakery to be a safe place where people come in and just share their life with you. And you want to be able to share your life with them uh, and to live in love like Jesus right there at your bakery. So I don't know if it's one little milestone, but it's been watching you do this. Mm your entire walk with Jesus just coming to life. And I got to be on the front lines to watch watch that happen. And what an honor. What an honor to uh, to get to see that. Love you. I love you. Well, good morning, Crossroads. I hope that you've enjoyed those vignettes over the last couple of weeks as we've just watched one generation interacting with another generation. As we think about how we can all be part of what God really wants for his people, and that is for every generation to love and serve him. And we all play a role in that. Over the past several weeks, we've just been trying to look at this commitment that we're all making to helping every generation and especially the next generation learn how to love and serve God and to do just that. We've talked about the importance of modeling, that we all have to make this commitment individually so that others can see what it looks like to love and serve God. 
We talked about prioritizing our time, making moments where the God would be the central part of our life, but that would be played out through our day and through our week and our month and our year. We've also talked last week about how to make the most of those moments. Most of them are unplanned, like where you just respond to, but how our character is so important in those moments to make those moments uh, redeemable, regardless if they're good, bad, or even ugly, Right? And today we want to talk about something called milestones. We want to look at how we can make and mark moments where we can point to God's faithfulness so that we will never forget, so that they can become just anchors for us that we can look back on maybe week after week, year after year to remember how God has been at work in our life, how he is working in our life, and we can also share that with those around him. The Bible is filled with actually moments like this, and one that I want to point out today is kind of the foreword of what we've been looking at from Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 6, God tells Moses to tell the people what his heart is, what his instructions are, and he tells them, when you go into the land that I've promised to you, don't forget who I am. Love and serve me there. Don't worship the other gods around you. Be faithful to me. And then in Joshua, we see that moment happening. Joshua 1 through 4 is the moment where the people of Israel are actually walking into that promised land. And to get there, they have to cross the Jordan River. Now, this is another moment where the people of Israel cross a body of water. We read about one of those when the exodus is happening, right? And God is leading his people out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea. Well, this moment, they're actually crossing over the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is at flood stage. So there's a lot of water and it's a miracle how the waters part and the people of Israel cross through to the other side and enter the land that God had promised to give them. And after they all make their way across, the the priests are holding the Ark of the Covenant in the riverbed. And God tells Joshua to tell the people of Israel, send 12 people back, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and pick up a big, large rock out of the riverbed and take that and make a memorial because I never want you to forget how I have been at work in your life. Today, what we want to talk about is actually making some memorials making a milestone, not to be worshiped, but to be an anchor for us that we would never forget how God is working in our life. As you can tell, I'm not alone today. I have some friends behind me and they've agreed just to share a little bit about their experience personally and as a family and as a person here in this congregation, how they've been active in looking for these moments that God's been at work in their life and creating ways that they will never forget who God is and how he's at work in their life. And so they've allowed me just to ask them some questions and I hope it'd be helpful for you as you listen to think about personally or maybe as a parent, maybe as a grandparent or just as a person who's a part of this family of faith about how you can create some anchors in your own life that will help you never forget how God has been at work and is at work in your life. So let's jump into some of these conversations. The first couple I want you to uh, meet, even though they're not unfamiliar to you, is Jeremy and Brielle Locke. They are young parents. They're parents of a young family. They have three children, seven, four, and nine, right? One girl, two boys. And and I just want to begin asking you guys with this question. What are some commitments or some practices that you guys have committed to so that God will be central in your life and in your family. 
Um, yeah, I think there's things that we try to do weekly and daily um, to let our faith be a focus. Um, I know we try to have a word, um, a scripture, or a truth of the week that our family focuses on, that we talk about, that we're praying through, that we're encouraging one another in. Um, we work, to work on scripture memorization together, um, try to speak blessings over each other, um, having worship and prayer nights together as a family. Um, one of our favorite things to do on birthdays is to have the birthday kid get to stand up on a chair, and then we get to speak blessing and life over them, which is really fun to get to do and kind of watch their faces light up as they hear each person speak um, over them. And I'd say one of our like aspirations coming away from this um, series has been in Deuteronomy 9, where it talks about writing God's faithfulness on your doorpost. Um, we've talked about like wanting to create a faithful wall and marking moments, big or small, in our life where we have seen God be faithful um, and kind of let that be like a visual reminder daily that we get to see. That's awesome. So with young children, the big question is like, so how have they responded? I'm sure there's some moments it feels like hurting cats, right? But tell me about how they've engaged in this commitment that you guys have made for them and, and with them. I'd say surprisingly well, um, and it, it's certainly not anything that we've done necessarily. Um, but I think, so some of the things that she mentioned are things that I feel like she has always done really well. Uh, for myself, something that I needed, and I think something that's helped our kids too, is being able to put those different things into more of a framework or like a rhythm so that we encounter them regularly. So leveraging the normal things like bedtime. We know bedtime is going to happen every night. And so how can we just leverage the last like five minutes of our day to be intentional? Or we try and be intentional about every week, taking 24 hours where we just um, really, really take it easy, um, focus back on resting in God, worshiping and delighting in him. And so on that Sabbath day every week, we have uh, just normal, very, very small, short little things like maybe praying the Shema out loud together or speaking blessings over our kids, like she said. And in doing those things regularly, um, we found that our kids not only look forward to them, but even when we forget, which happens often, uh, they'll remind us of those things and bring us back to, okay, yeah, that's right. We do this thing every week and it's important and here's why. And so we found that having those things brought up regularly, our kids um, look forward to them and help keep us accountable to them. Maybe if they've engaged a little too much, right? Like right, reminding yeah. you like, don't forget, right? That's great. Good accountability. Uh, what are some resources that you guys have found helpful in kind of charting this course? I would say um, TechWise Family has been a big one for us, which has kind of helped us set like um, healthy boundaries with technology, help with healthy relationship, but has also started us on that path of um, creating a Sabbath day. Um, and then Family Teams, yes, has been a really good resource, a course so that's kind of helped us in the same way of like setting those rhythms for our family um, has been really helpful. Um, there's been a podcast that I've enjoyed listening to about parenting with the Holy Spirit. And um, I feel like those are the things that we do are only because of his work and his promptings. And so it's been um, neat to see that in our kids' lives as well. Well, I know you guys as friends, so I know how intentional you are about this. And I think uh, while you're at the front end of parenting, those practices and commitments are only going to bear fruit that you might not see for 20 years. So don't get tired. Keep up the good work. Thanks for being a good example for others in this congregation to live that out. Uh, the next couple are Paul and Emily 
Lingi. So Paul and Emily have three children as well, but they're a little further uh, in the chronological order. They actually have kids that are 21, 19, and 13. And I know you two have been intentional about creating some of these milestones as your kids have gone, grown up. Um, tell us about some of those and what those have looked like. Sure. So I'll speak to the preteen and teenage years because there are some conversations that can be a little awkward between parent and child, uh, so I hear, uh, during those years, about sex and about identity. And we, use, uh, we have used a couple of resources that have been very helpful uh, for navigating these conversations with, with our children. One is called Passport to Purity. It is a prepackaged kit designed to be a getaway weekend for uh, father-son or mother-daughter, although it could be done across gender as well, uh, in, in cases of, of single parent homes. And it's just really nice because you don't have to come up with the content. You listen to the content, you respond to it, and it creates a great pathway for, for having those conversations. Another one a little bit further along in high school years is Passport to Identity. It does address gender, but it addresses other elements. God has made us much more complex than just our gender. So it talks about our spiritual identity, our identity in Christ. And then a, a, a third milestone that we've used uh, is one for our sons, and some are familiar with it, called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Emily and I have lived in other cultures where there's rites of passage built in for when a boy becomes a man or for when a girl becomes a woman. But in America, when does that happen? Is it when a boy gets his driver's license? Is it when he can vote? Is it when he can... Uh, um, drive or get married. And so raising a modern day night kind of gives a definition and gives some core substance of biblical manhood that a father can then deposit into his son. And we operate on a four pillar definition of manhood, uh, which some of our guys are familiar with, which is a man is one who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously and invests eternally. And so these have been just some helpful tools, especially in these pivotal teenage years to define uh, and to even ceremonialize going from, from childhood into adulthood. Wow, just creating some anchors for them to look back at maybe 20 years in the future and some of those lessons and some of the things that are still true, right? I know uh, there's this African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a kid. I'd love to know, like, how have others played a helpful role in you guys uh, rearing your kids and, and raising them to love the Lord? Yeah, I would certainly be remiss if I didn't mention that grandparents and family have played a really important role in our you know, kids' growth in their faith. Um, Recently, we were helping our older two apply for college, and both of them mentioned the lessons they learned, the opportunities for leadership in the church through being a salt leader in middle school, and they were here constantly, and they loved it. They felt valued and really needed, and it made a huge impact on how they express their faith in the Lord by serving others. And then I asked our youngest, like, you know, that very question, and, you know, he's had a different experience having middle school during COVID, and there weren't opportunities so much for him to get out and practice his faith with others. But those times that the Ben Browns and the, you know, other leaders, you know, came and knew his name and talked to him and asked him questions about his life and specifically about his walk with the Lord, he said that that was so impactful and encouraging for him. We know parent isn't 
add water. So like, it's not just like do this and poof, it happens, right? Uh, you guys are a little further into the parenting experience. Tell me a little bit about some disappointments. Like how have you navigated those or even responded to them? Yeah, as I thought about that question, I was like, I don't have any disappointments. You know, we are so, I learn a ton from our kids and they're so courageous as they go out in life. And so as I thought about that word disappointment, what came to my mind is actually that we've been pregnant nine times, but we only have three children. And so that brought just a lot of sorrow, a lot of grief into the early part, like first 15 years of our marriage. And that was a lot to navigate. But it was after the birth of our youngest child that um, I was introduced to Freedom Prayer and a team prayed with me and walked me through kind of lamenting and laying down all that sorrow, all the fear of, you know, are we going to face another loss? Um, All the disappointment with God, like, you know, what did we do wrong? Did we, should we have done something else? Um, Wasn't God able, you know, did he want to save those pregnancies? And so they walked me through laying that all down before the Lord and even forgiving him. We don't forgive God, but yet I released him from my disappointment. I released him from my expectations and um, judgment and bitterness. And from that moment, um, talk about a milestone. It was like before prayer and then after prayer. Um, just, a, just a tender peace and a deep hope. And it changed how I parented. It changed how I um, navigated with our children through things, um, the way we pray about things, and now how I minister to other people. You're right, Phil. There's no guarantees. There's no formulas. Just add water, and you'll have this uh, well-adjusted, Christian, mature, uh, contributing member of society, adult, uh, someday. Um, Although there's people trying to sell books that that promise that. (laughs) You know, I have been in my own study looking at the kings, and um, I saw King Hezekiah. We sometimes know him as good King Hezekiah, who had a son, Manasseh, who established abominable, horrific practices in Israel, who had another son, Amon was his son, who was also evil in the eyes of the Lord. And his son, Josiah, cleaned up, it was a good king and cleaned up all the practices. We see good king, evil, evil, good. And so there's not a formula. Um, however, I do think parroting is a lot of risk mitigation, right? We're mitigating the risk that, that they don't follow a pathway of evil. So I agree with Emily. I wouldn't say that we have disappointments, but we have longings for our children. We long for them to know Christ, to love the Lord and to follow him. And Andrew Bondurant said last week to play the long game, And I think that's a good word because it can be discouraging um, when we look at at particular seasons of of rebellion or wandering. And uh, and I just want to share this um, because there's a lot of, there may be some aching parent hearts in the room today. And if you don't remember anything else I say, please remember this. God loves the prayers of desperate parents. Um, whether that's a, a nursing mom who can't get her baby to latch on and nurse or t- uh, parents of a toddler where bedtime is chaotic or parents of a teenager who they see getting more and more influenced by the world or even an elderly parent of an adult child who continues to make kind of chaotic life choices. Just remember, God loves the prayers of a desperate parent. And I think we often ask, how is the child gonna turn out? 
I think it's an equally good question is how are we going to turn out as parents at the end of this parenting journey? And we want to be faithful and uh, continue to encourage one another. So uh, just remember, God loves the prayers of a desperate parent. As I ask each of these participants to be part of, they were all somewhat reluctant because they all wanted to readily admit that they haven't arrived, that their kids aren't perfect, they're not perfect parents, and they all were somewhat reluctant, maybe none greater than the next guest, uh, Brian Weber. Uh, he's like, you got the wrong guy, dude, you got the wrong guy, but... Uh, I've known Brian for a long time. We met when we were both young. I think that's what Heidi said in that video, a young youth pastor. I guess that means I'm no longer that status, but Brian, uh, the things I've admired about you for a long time are just your uh, humility, your servant-heartedness, and your faithfulness to uh, whatever you say yes to. That's meant a lot. And uh, I know you're a dad. You've been a father to four uh, people, and they are ranging in age 23, 18, 15, and 13. And uh, I'd love to hear from you, like what have been a few of those moments where you've seen the faith of your children really just shine or really just light up? Yeah, so uh, mission trips, I think, is one of the big things I've seen. And that's been intentional for my part as a parent through what I've seen personally in mission trips in my life. Um, Mackenzie's been able to go to a trip uh, to North Carolina. Madison's been to Fort Wayne a few times and Florida. And then this last year, Tyler was able to go to uh, Tennessee. And so through those trips, right, we go and we serve people's physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. And so it's an opportunity for these kids to get out outside of these walls and really have an opportunity to live their faith um, in this world outside of the church walls. Uh, we've shared a lot of experiences, and one neither of us were expecting is that we are both uh, fathers of a special needs child, a child with special needs, that people language first, right? And uh, I'd love to know, Brian, how has that created a unique perspective about milestones or maturity? Like, what have you taught Mallory? What has Mallory taught you? Yeah, Mallory's taught me a lot. Um, and just one thing we do as we go to school, both Mallory and Tyler, as I take them to school in the morning, uh, we have this little thing I have them just to start their day off in a good good way. I ask them what they're going to do today, and they tell me, work hard and make good choices. Mallory's kind of taking that to a next level, though. And when she responds, she says, have a good day, make good choices, and love my friends. Mm. And so for me, that's been a real good reminder of how God wants us to love others, that unconditional love that sometimes I struggle with personally, mm. that's consistent through her life. Wow. What a powerful example. Uh, speaking of example, when uh, you and I started uh, serving in youth ministry, that was something that's been really meaningful for you. And uh, you have continued to serve in kids ministry and in the youth ministry here at Crossroads now since the mid-90s. So thank you for serving faithfully all those years as a single man. Yeah, that's certainly worthy of that. You You've served as a single man, as a married couple, as a father, and I'd love to know just like, what, what, why has that been so meaningful for you? Yeah, I'm a product of this youth ministry. Um, I came in high school um, and through, I was a fun seeker. I didn't come for anything spiritual. I come to have fun with my friends. Um, and through guidance of a good youth pastor and a lot of good youth volunteers, um, that's where my spiritual journey was kicked off. Um, then returning back to Evansville after college, that's where I wanted to plug in. That's where I wanted to be a part of. And now 20 years later, um, through uh, really the nursery, the babies, all the way up through high school, I've had an opportunity to plant those seeds and watch God water them. And so 
Um, if it wasn't for those people that poured into me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so it's, I feel like it's my turn to pour into that next generation. Well, thanks for being faithful for that, man. Appreciate that a lot. Next is John and Sally Bagby, and they are parents of two, grandparents of five, and a great-grandparent or great-grandparents of one. So you guys have had lots of experience in watching one generation to the next and watching faith kind of ebb and flow through that. And so I'd love to hear about your experiences. What have been some of those milestones that you celebrate with your kids, grandkids, or now even great-grandchild? Well, the biggest and most important milestones uh, with our kids and grandkids would just have to be, without a doubt, the moment they came and, and shared that uh, they decided to follow Jesus and invited him to be their Lord and Savior. So, you know, we're just so thankful that they all said yes to Jesus. Uh, and this is also true of our uh, children's spouses. And it's just such a blessing to know that our grandkids are growing up in uh, Jesus-centered homes. Not necessarily perfect, <laughs> but Jesus-centered nonetheless. Uh, this is something we were on our knees praying about before they were born, and of course, as they grew up, and, and uh, it's something that we always trusted God for. Uh, we did our best to live and love like Jesus. We've heard that before. Uh, we've shared God's word with them. And ultimately, we uh, trusted in the Holy Spirit to do the work of the heart that only he can do. Uh, believe me, we were not perfect parents in raising our kids. You can ask them. Uh, they'll tell you. But uh, God was so good to honor all of our efforts, and he'll do the same for you. Uh, we've also had the privilege of teaching the salvation, baptism, and communion class here at Crossroads for kids and parents, uh, Sally's the real leader. She would be like the Diana Ross, and I would be a supreme. Uh, so uh, <laughs> one of our hopes of a milestone were we could each uh, have our grandkids, or have each of our grandkids uh, part of the class, and uh, by God's blessings, you know, we this has been the case, and we know that each one of our grandkids has heard the, clearly heard the full gospel message and had an opportunity to respond. Uh, looking over at the baptistry there uh, brings to mind a very special memory of being able to baptize our son, JT, and our daughter, Sarah. Uh, and we lovingly remember that Pastor David Reinhardt was part of Sarah's baptism. Uh, we have to say there's, there's no greater joy or peace, I, we think, that a parent can have than to know that their children are part of God's family. Uh, further, we've been a witness to uh, our son baptizing each of their four daughters right here as well. You know, as far as we're concerned, we just consider this holy ground for our family. We're so thankful. We have other times of celebrations like birthdays, and over the years we've tried to pick up each grandkid and we take them and eat and play and uh, hang out and just makes, oh, shop is a big one, <laughs> and uh, just make some special memories, you know. 
And we always recount the exciting events of their birth. Well, actually, Sally, she was more involved in that. But, uh, uh, but it seems like it's getting a little harder the further we get away from the event. Uh, some of the details may change. But uh, anyway. We confuse the kids and they remind us. <laughs> right. Uh, we also call and sing to each one of them, but we figured out that's really not a real great blessing for them. Uh, on the other hand, they call us now on our birthdays and sing oh. to us, and we think that is a great blessing. So awesome. uh, we're just grateful that we have opportunities to just celebrate life with all of our family. Making the most of every one of those moments, right, is really important. And being intentional about it, I hear that through your words. And the spiritual intentionality is really important. And you guys, uh, you beat me to the punch, but you guys have faithfully uh, not only um, helped your children create those spiritual milestones, but you also have played a huge pivotal role in literally probably hundreds of kids at this church making that decision to follow Jesus by helping guide their parents in that conversation. So thank you for your faithfulness in that. That has meant a lot to this church specifically. And I'd love, Sally, uh, what are the things that you've observed as you've had uh, your own children, but also helped guide other parents through those moments? Uh, what, what's some observation and maybe some advice you have for others listening today? Well, John and I both agree that the most important milestone is whenever they choose Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it is the most important decision they'll ever make, not college, not marriage, because it's an eternal decision with treasures, but also with consequences. So um, leading children, parents, um, and having just a little piece of that is really an honor and privilege of ours. So that I don't forget anything, um, <laughs> So as children make their decision, um, they need support, just the way that we need support. Uh, and the parent is the most inf influential role in a child's life. They really pattern their lives off of us, and um, therefore, you know, how we live out our faith is how they're going to live out their faith. Um, there's four things that we teach um, or we share with the parents, uh, good resources for um, parenting and guiding their child's faith into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And that's the church, the Bible, prayer, and good Christian friends. And so church, you know, uh, it's important that you not only tell but that you do it along with them. That's where the impact is. So go to church with your child. Um, then also just reading the Bible, you know, let them know that the Bible is their life source, their book of life. And not only let them see you reading the Bible, but also read it with them because then you can understand their um, how they have understanding. And again, it helps them to go deeper into their relationship with Jesus. Then prayers. Prayers are so important. Like John said, we've prayed for our kids before we even knew we were going to have kids. And so it's, it's really important that your children see you pray with your words and from your heart. And one of the greatest joys we have is when our son JT, um, prays and he prays so much like his dad and it's just a real joy then of course um bible study uh but and one thing that's really 
close to my heart is when I see Sarah and she is reading her Bible in the morning and is pattern off of me. And now then, unfortunately or fortunately, our children are now preaching to us instead of John preaching to them. So um, it's just kind of turned about. And then the last thing is just really um, be a part of who your children hang around with. Their friends are so important. And in the class, we go to Jesus. He's our ultimate um, role model. And he had three close friends, Peter, James, and John. And he shared with those friends uh, sorrows and joys. And that's what we do with our friends too. But he didn't just hang around with them. He had a group he hung around with, the disciples. And if we look at the disciples, they had very similar values, but we also know that one betrayed him. Just like in life, you can be betrayed by one of your friends. And then the most important thing, though, is that they didn't stay within their own group. They went out into the world and became influencers, and that's what we want our children to do, not just keep them their faith to themselves, but to go out. And he, God has honored our meager little uh, attempts at parenting, and uh, we are just so grateful for that, and God has been faithful. Well, thank you for being faithful and teaching your kids and many others. Those are great lessons. Great advice regardless of the age, for sure. Finally, we want to have a conversation with Deb Rory. And Deb is the proud mother of three boys, 20, 19, and 17. And she has been parenting them since their birth. But the last four years, uh, Deb has been parenting them by herself after losing her husband, Greg, to cancer in 2018. So... Deb, I'd love for you just to share, how have you seen God be faithful to you and your family? Sure. So, you know, it started with a strong foundation from parents who were willing to set that forth so that we had that foundation. Because clearly when you get something like a cancer diagnosis, that rocks your world a bit. And especially then for my immediate family right now, you know, as you said, four years ago, Greg passed away. But I think it really became something that we have looked at. You know, for example, people will say how hard holidays are for families to deal with after a loss. And interestingly, our family has found that sometimes it's the other days because on holidays, you have really good memories or at least memories that you can kind of cling to. But on other days, you don't. And that's really where you sometimes need God's touch. And in that situation, I mean, God put people in our place. I have a sister-in-law who lost a father at 16. I have a dad who lost his father at 20. And I have friends that walked up to my sons because it's a really staggering number how many people actually lose a parent before the age 18. You don't think of it. I've seen anything from one to eight uh, to one to 15. And I looked around my circle and that was true. And so all of a sudden it's those people willing to walk up to my sons and say, me too, I can do this. Or my sister-in-law that said, don't worry about the future in those, um, events that are coming, those are where you may see God's biggest miracles. Now, don't get me wrong. Single parenting, it was something I was never prepared for. Um, But at the same time, I really had a decision on how I was going to face that and what I was going to do. My boys were 16, 15, and 13. I had to learn a lot of things about not just mom topics that I thought I knew, but dad topics too. So it just became a pattern that we had to look for those places in our life. How have you marked or even celebrated, commemorated some of those big moments along the way. Sure. So cancer, one of the blessings of cancer, I guess I like to put it that way, is that you know 
And you really need to think about your intentionality, about what you want to do. You're not taking tomorrow for granted. And so interestingly, when I was talking to my sons about some of those things, because I feel inadequate in the job that we've done, and I said, what's something you kind of draw back on? And they said it was the fact that we prioritize dinner time. And so for them, they knew that that was always going to be a time that we could sit down. Now, I will tell you, cooking is not my spiritual gift. Um, And with three sons, as you can imagine, the conversation wasn't spiritual a lot of the time. Um, Most of the time. Um, But it does allow for that place in the day where we could bring those memories up and we could constantly talk about them. Greg was very intentional about his mission field. He went to Africa several times. He was in Fort Wayne with the boys. He was in Pikeville, Kentucky. He served in Suntown, Lighttown. It was for me to accept that role as spiritual leader, but to realize it didn't have to look like his did, and it is much different than what his was. And But I, what I knew was they were still watching me, and so if I was going to model bitterness and instead not talk about the goodness of a God that gave us 10 years of life after diagnosis instead of the five that statistics told us we should get, then my children were more apt to look for that. So it's just been a matter of more pointing it out and talking about it than it is to specifically call out um, and celebrate those. Last question for you, just uh, how have you personally found God faithful? Sure. So, you know, we will, we, we've accepted that we're never going to accept or understand God's plan, probably, this side of heaven. Um, but at the same time, we have to look for where that goodness is, and we have to talk about it so we remember that. And I think there's kind of three things that I think about. One is the fact that God has provided. Um, I've talked to my boys, and one of them commented how we've never wondered where our next meal was going to come from, or if we were going to have a place to live, or could they go to college or do their dreams. Um, God has provided in those situations. The other thing that I think that we have recognized is you want to feel like your pain has a purpose. And so in many opportunities, we have had opportunities to walk along other side of people that are living the same type of experience as we are. And, and my son that's in college, he's actually an RA, and he's had that experience with some of his students that he could come alongside and say, me too. The people that were alongside of us in the very beginning. And I think then in the final way that we kind of do that is just the tribe of people. I mean, look out, there's lots of people in this congregation, people that were with us before, during, and both after. And you just kind of have to look for that goodness. Um, Some days are easier than others, but if you look, you will see the text message that comes in, the offer of a ride, those type of tangible things. And if if you look, there's no coincidence. Those are the hands and feet of Jesus that are coming alongside you. Thanks for sharing from that tender place. I appreciate that very much. So would you thank all these guys for just their perspective and sharing? Thank you all. I hope you heard just some continual themes there, and I hope that you begin to maybe think about, like, how has God been at work in your life? What, what are the places or where are those moments where you have seen God's hand at work in your life, maybe in small ways, maybe in profound ways, but nevertheless, it's his activity. It's his purposes that he is working in your life and in my life. And if we're not careful, We'll just blow through those moments to the next one and forget all about what God has done and what he is doing. And that's why milestones are so important because God's instructions to Moses was, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that I am the Lord. I'm your God. I'm God alone. And you should love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we forget that, friends, this generation and the next is on shaky ground. 
And then you said, don't forget how I'm at work in your life. Commemorate that. Put a rock of stones by the river Jordan so that you don't forget how I worked in that moment and other moments. As I said earlier, the Bible is littered with these moments, these memorials, these milestones of of testimony of God's faithfulness so that we won't ever forget that God is at work. He has worked in our life. And we can celebrate that personally. We can celebrate that as families. We can celebrate that together. So here's my challenge for all of us today, your homework. I want you today or in this next week to think about what's that moment for you? Or maybe what are those moments for you? And how have you, or better yet, maybe how will you create a milestone that just allows you never to forget how God has been at work in your life. It could be on a birthday or an anniversary. It could be a gotcha day or the day you found out a diagnosis. It could be a moment that was pivotal in your life or in your family's life that you should never forget. It'd be a day worth creating some type of celebration around. Maybe it's just a day to take and spend some time journaling, chronicling God's faithfulness year after year day after day. Maybe it's a moment where you include a meal. I mean, food goes a long ways in helping us never forget, right? Maybe it's joining with other people, whether it be family or a friend or people in your village or your tribe to mark God's faithfulness. Use it so that you won't forget, but also use it as a testimony to tell others about who God is and his faithfulness and pass that faith that you have on to the next person, whether it be your spouse, your child, a neighbor, a friend, somebody that God places in your life. 